congratulations to the Navy midshipmen. Winners of the Commander in Chief's Trophy, the great Air Force Falcon. All right, welcome to Against All Enemies. The podcast episode two, I suppose. Uh, I am Justin Mears, the podcast moderator, and we got Austin Lantane, our our Navy uh, providing Navy coverage. Scott Lopez for Air Force, uh, and Kayla Jackson as our Army representative. And we're happy to be back after a couple weeks since the first episode to uh, talk all things Service Academy athletics. Um, and so that's what we're going to do today. So just give you a quick rundown. No, no interview schedule for today, but we're going to, we're going to talk NFL draft briefly since we did have a service Academy football player get drafted, uh, in the NFL draft. And that will probably lead to a discussion about the merits and follies of, uh, the current status of being able to play professional sports, um, depending on the sport you play, um, as a service Academy or former service Academy athlete, uh, we're going to talk. A little baseball and especially Noah Song and what he's doing right now is just absolutely incredible. Um, And it's going to be really interesting to see how things play out with him in the draft, given the picture I got sent of the scouts this past weekend um, that were lined up behind home plate. And then we'll hit up some lacrosse. We're heading into conference tourneys this week. We'll get kind of a rundown of all five teams, um, service academy teams and where they stand. Um, spoiler, four out of the five are pretty happy right now. One one is uh, not. And then we'll uh, update you on kind of the final regular season Ike Award standings uh, as we still have a couple of postseason possibilities um, still at play. One, one we know is happening, Army and Navy women's across this week. Uh, and then we'll, yep. we'll get our shout-outs of the weeks. All right, yeah. so NFL draft. I was there in Nashville first night. Uh, I did not remember my rain jacket. It was pouring down rain. <laughs> Um, I was behind some crazy Tampa Bay Buccaneers fans for most of it. I sent Austin a picture of me that someone sent me from ESPN. I looked pretty miserable and the Buccaneers fans were, uh, were pretty, pretty happy at the moment, but, uh, but it was fun. It was good. 159,000 people there. Um, had a, had a good time at the first round. Then that night at the hotel, we went back with like the last like five picks at the hotel, um, just to try and beat the crowd kind of back. Uh, and we were staying, um, at the Renaissance Hotel, which must have been the NFL like headquarters for the week, and we're just sitting there watching, literally sitting next to um, Patrick Mahomes' table as we all kind of watched the last five picks of the draft. So I s- sat and watched the last five picks with Patrick Mahomes. At least that's my story, uh, and I'm sticking to it. Wow. So not really. I mean, it was him <laughs> and his entourage, but um, but he was sitting right there. It was pretty cool. Did you uh, did you run into any angry? Oh yes. Oh yeah. I know that was like the big. That was story. the best thing. Is that there was bachelorette parties like crazy who all had booked <laughs> trips down there, and I guess they shut down the entire street with all the bars and everything, and pretty angry. That yeah, I mean the bars were still open, but I mean there was literally two hundred thousand people down there. So, um, yeah, I mean you could tell. Yeah. Before even those articles came out, like I we saw some, and you could just tell like whoever their husbands are, fiancés are, those guys are. If they watch if they watch the NFL, they're screwed because there's no way you could not know the draft was going on. And to not tell them or give them a heads up. Poor uh, planning. Yeah, it, was, 
you have to think that a lot of uh, you have to think that a lot of the a lot of maid of honor. I was gonna oh, yeah, say no like poor planning on the maid of honor side. Like you, you that's got to be part of it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think it'd be pretty cool. I, I'd want to coincide maybe my bachelorette party with the draft. <laughs> yeah, but you like you, you like football. Yeah. Most right. Of the about NFL fans. Taken um, by surprise. So. But uh, but I'm sure they had a good time by the end of it. I mean, I'm sure they made yeah. the most of it. So, uh, but yeah, it was fun. So we and then we had a service academy player get drafted, um, and I'm gonna let Scott kind of talk about it because it was an Air Force player. But Austin Cutting was drafted in the seventh round by the Minnesota Vikings. He's a long snapper, um, and I'll get I'll get uh, Scott's kind of take on on that here in a second. But um, you know, not not unprecedented in I guess modern NFL circles. We had. You know, Keenan Reynolds get drafted in the sixth round by the Ravens in 2016, and Joe Cardona, who maybe set the precedent for the long snapper thing in 2015 in the fifth round. So it's happened, but things have changed as far as the ability to um, immediately pursue playing football uh, after graduation compared to to what Keenan stepped into. Um, so yeah, so so Scott, what, what was your kind of take? Were you expecting Austin to actually get drafted, or I know he went to one of the the, did he go to the, the combine or, or he participated in some all-star game or something? He didn't go to the combine, but he had some workouts and I think he went to some, I, I think he had workouts in front of some scouts and, and spoke with some teams. Uh, Cause I think he had four or five teams that were kind of courting him beforehand. Um, yeah, but taken to in the 250th pick in the seventh round. Um, I saw a lot of comments, kind of confusion from Vikings fans. Um, I think they were looking to make some big moves cause they're probably one of those teams that, hasn't been performing as well as they're used to in the last few years. And there was some talks that it was a strategy move because they're going to be over the salary cap with their current long snapper. Um, his name's Kevin McDermott. And so they were saying that maybe it's a move for that and that it kind of looks good on them drafting a service academy player. And if it doesn't work out, it's kind of no skin off their back. But that's not to say that Austin Cutting can't play. Um He's he's been a great player, a great asset for the Air Force Academy. I'd say one of the the best ways that you know that a long snapper is good is if you don't hear about him. Because if you hear about him, they're probably making bad snaps. And so he didn't he didn't make a lot of noise. He didn't hear his name get announced too much um, while at the academy. But it, clearly, he has the things that those scouts are looking for. And uh, I'd say that the biggest kind of question is whether or not he's actually going to play, given the fact that he still has his active duty service account, uh, his service commitment. And I think it's confusing to a lot of people. It's probably confusing to him and all the, the kind of public things that he said about it is that he knows that he went to the Air Force Academy. He made the decision to commit after junior year or at the beginning of junior year, rather. And he wants to serve first. He understands that that's his purpose. But if you have the opportunity, if you have people at the Academy, if you have people in the Air Force coaches telling you, go for it, go try to get in the NFL. Um, you know, right after the season, they start to do these to, to do things like getting an agent and going and working with trainers who have worked with NFL talent before, and and that's just what he did. And so that's really where the frustration kind of comes in is not knowing exactly what happened. And I think that this decision, whatever it is, is really important because it's going to be the first time, if he's allowed to play uh, since Joe Cardona, that a higher profile person is going to be told that go for it go ahead and play and the reason why i say high profile is because america's eyes and the nfl's eyes are really on him as far as him being drafted and and whatever kind of comes down 
the biggest difference between him and, let's say, Garrett Griffin, who was the last player to come out of the academy and go to the NFL, is that Garrett Griffin was picked up as an undrafted free agent. So there wasn't a lot of talk about him. It was handled on kind of a case-by-case basis. And if you go back, we did an interview with him in the fall, and or maybe it was earlier this year, and pretty much what he said is that he's playing because no one told him that he can't. All he's been told is that go to New Orleans, do your thing, make sure you check in with everybody that you're supposed to, but he's technically still a part of the Air Force Academy. And so that really kind of confusing line is, I think, what we're looking to clear up. And it's been blurred still, and I still don't think the Department of Defense uh, has gotten it completely right because we still have the same issue with Griffin Jacks, who was drafted as a baseball player out of the academy, and he was told initially he was good to go, and then he was told he wasn't, and now ultimately he is playing. So I think that that's really where we're at is we want to see where he is. He has a great attitude, and we're just really looking for clarity at this point. Yeah, and uh, I'm going to kick it over to – well, both Austin and Caleb get some of their perspective, but but I, one point on that is, you know, the whole purpose of, well, I, I don't know if it was the whole purpose, but one thing that should have happened with uh, Under Secretary Ash Carter, Secretary of Defense Ash Carter, and the Obama administration when he did reverse or remove that stipulation that you had to serve two years on active duty and said you could put in for a waiver immediately to play, even though still it was going to be on a case by case basis, was that um, that it was supposed to provide, you know, some more clarification, um, some more consistency across the different service branches as to how this was going to play out. But now it's back to where each respective service secretary is having to make these case-by-case decisions. Um, and the DOD has a history of – so that when it was reversed under Secretary Mattis, he did that on April 29th, 2017, on the third day of the NFL draft, the day that Jalen Robinette was going to get drafted probably by somebody. Um, and so – I mean, that's just, it shouldn't happen that way. Or you look at Caleb Campbell back when he was drafted by the Lions out of Army, um, and he gets all the way down to training camp. The policy had been reversed. The uh, alternative service option had been reversed two weeks prior, and no one told him, and he gets down to training camp. The day he's supposed to start training camp, the Army says, sorry, you got to serve two years. I mean, those kinds of things. I think that's the the frustrating part is let's just just decide what it's going to be. Let's make it DOD-wide, and then let's, let's make it where there's an actual process to do this rather than just we're going to try and work it out with you. I mean, that's, that, that, that's frustrating for me as a fan. I can't imagine what those guys have been going through trying to make it happen. So, um, Austin, I would love to get your take on kind of, you know, perhaps the, the positive side of this. You know, we, we, can, we can get the, the negative thoughts on, um, well, this isn't the purpose of the institution those sorts of things, but Joe Cardona has absolutely been a, an, a, a perfect example of what this can look like, and he is obviously a long snapper um, with the New England Patriots and you know just what, what he represents for the Naval Academy and the Navy and the things that he does and the reenlistments he gets to do on the field, and he was the, you know, the character guy, whatever their award is, I already forgot, um, for the Patriots last year for off-the-field stuff and, and just kind of the way he's handled it, maybe you know, your thoughts on that. Yeah, I, I'm obviously a supporter of allowing some of these students uh, to transition into professional careers and try to work with their respective DOD affiliate to find out how they can still positively promote uh, their their service. Um, I know I did that Where Are They Now series with Eric Catani just a few months back, and even his few years in the NFL and what he's doing now in the reserves, he's still a positive voice for the Navy, right? And 
obviously you mentioned Joe Cardona and that's pretty obvious what he's doing too. Side note, it's crazy. Since 2000, there's been seven long snappers drafted and two of them are service academy graduates, which is just an interesting stat to me in terms of uh, how that's a pretty high percentage, obviously a low volume, but still pretty, uh, pretty ironic that the service academy is well represented in that position. Um, but I, I do believe there should be some way to allow it to happen because I do believe it can be a, a great promoter of the Air Force uh, and the DOD in general. So I'm kind of with you. It would be great to see some sort of long-term plan in place to allow these things to happen. I know the fear of that is does it open up kind of a door to these high school students who want to come in and recruit and with the goal and the intention of playing professionally? And what does that look like 20 years down the road when in this hypothetical world, the service academies have you know two dozen uh, athletes that are possibly drafted right on their roster or something like that at one time, which would be a great problem to have. I'm not going to say I, I would never see that happening, but I think that might be the fear in terms of what the DoD is trying to establish. Um, but I think on a case-by-case basis, that's more reality and, and something should be in place more permanent to allow it to happen. What I really want to reiterate is the fact that every player that I've heard of has not had an issue at all with the decision. It's yep. all about the timing. Austin Cutting says he's very excited to be an acquisitions officer. Um, he says that's what he's supposed to do. That's what he wants to do. The issue is the timing. And, for example, Jalen Robinette, who I knew during his – I mean, I, I still know him, but I've known him since um, he was a freshman. And during the time, right after the season ended, he was driving up to Denver – three or four days a week that's an hour drive from the academy to go and work with uh coaches he hired an agent he was he was speaking with coaches on nfl teams and all those kinds of things and then to have that taken away from you the day of that's where the issue lies and like i said it comes back to also the high profileness of it when you have somebody who gets drafted gets their name called on tv that's where there's going to be a problem too because there's players in other sports, and there's players who don't have as much visibility who are doing it. For example, uh, Tom McKee, who was a 2014 graduate from the Air Force Academy, uh, he went to McConnell Air Force Base out in Kansas, and he got drafted to the NLL, which is an indoor lacrosse league. And once a week, he was flying up to Canada to go play on his NLL team, and no one batted an eye at that. So I think Austin's definitely right about what kind of precedent are we setting. And in, but at the time, right now, I don't think it's much of an issue. Um, and, and if that is a fear for the long term, then make those changes down the road. Don't worry about what it means right now for recruiting. Because, for example, Austin Cutting, his only uh, schools that were recruiting him out of high school were Houston Baptist and Air Force. Maybe he thought that he was going to have a shot at the NFL, but I think in his mind he just wanted to play college football and he liked the pitch the Air Force Academy was giving. So, yeah, I, I think that it's really the timing is just what I want. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's interesting ahead, to talk yeah. about, like, when the policy is instituted, because, you know, we mentioned we have, you know, acting Secretary Shanahan. I actually, I'm hoping we get a response tomorrow, because I reached out to the DOD today, now that we're coming off the heels of the draft, just to kind of see, like, is there conversation? Because in the past, it seems it's kind of, like, been an afterthought, as if, like, the priority of, you know, these players specifically with the NFL possibly going is not really seen uh, for those who are making these big policy decisions. So when the time comes, it's like, oh, by the way, this is what's going to be. And you've got these players literally like sitting on eggshells waiting, putting in the work, and all of a sudden it's like the big decision, either I'm going to be able to play or service first. And I also wonder kind of like the priority. I'm thinking like 
injury-wise, because that's kind of my biggest thing is I'm also wondering, I'm wondering if, you know, from a service academy and DOD standpoint, you're thinking, okay, if they get injured on the field and then they have to go and serve afterwards, okay, are they on profile? Like now, who's the fault of it? You know, how are they going to perform their job? How does that look? Is that even a big deal? Um, same as if they, you know, you got injured while serving. That's kind of like whatever that could happen. That could totally end your professional career, especially when you're talking about football. Um, and the, the chance of you, um, you know, coming from a service academy, going into a professional league, getting injured, um, and then going, you know, going back, I don't know. But I feel like you had said, like, the timing of it um, is kind of what's, what's really the, the mercy of the players are at the timing of it. And I feel like the policy should be instituted um, the same. And so we know, like, down the road, two, three, four years from now, like Austin's saying, when you think you have a few draft picks from all these service academies, it would be great. Now, you know, these players can, um, can go to class, they can go to these practices, they can try out with these teams knowing, okay, this is how I can plan forward. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm in agreement. And I, I think, you know, the alternative service option was something that Army had thrown out this was back to the Caleb Campbell thing as um, basically you had to stay on. This is an Army only thing. This goes back to it wasn't consistent. So as soon as they did this, Navy and Air Force cried foul because now Army can use that as a recruiting advantage because they have a direct path to the NFL compared to the other two at the time. But it basically said as long as you remain on an NFL roster, um, if you're drafted, so you have to be under contract, making you know on an NFL roster as long as you are on that NFL 53-man roster, um, then for that two years, uh, you can basically do that as your active duty, and then you can petition just like everybody else to join the reserves. Um, whether that's the answer or not, I'm not saying that's it, but but something that's established that says here is kind of how this is going to play out that takes into account injuries and things like that. Um, and like you talking about Garrett Griffin, Scott, like that's um, you know like I don't I don't know how they're going to handle Austin Cutting. Right? Is there is there a base in Minnesota? I don't know. Is is there an Air Force base in Minnesota? Um, there, I mean, they could, there's a lot of things that they could do. They could attach them to a recruiter. They could send, there's definitely reserve bases. They could send them some things like that. Um, and if, I mean, at the end of the day, he's an NFL player. Like I said, we had a lacrosse player and lacrosse does not make as much as money as NFL players do. Um, and I know Joe Cardona travels back and forth between his commitments. Well, so I think that's an issue that maybe they'll make the case. But, and this might even be kind of big picture, but this goes back to what I've said about kind of the issue with Air Force too, how we, this is the first time with Nathan Pine now that we've had somebody who comes from a strictly sports background. We have people who are very military minded who don't understand what these athletes have gone through. And I don't think that they're sitting down or having conversations um, with these athletes and they're making decisions that affect their lives. So um, I think that if they could get an understanding of what Austin would do and, and work with him, then maybe that is an option because just proximity to me, you know, it, it's something to think about, but that's, it's something that can also be worked with when you have somebody who's playing a professional sport. I, I find it interesting that we do not really have a good diversity of thought between <laughs> the four of us because there are definitely active duty members and service academy graduates that would say, you know, tough luck. You serve. You signed up for the academy. This is what you signed up for, and none right. of us are saying yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. I, well, so I, I'm assuming there is a recruiting district or something in Minneapolis. Back to that point. But Joe Cardona, you know, now he's in the. So in 2016, when the rule changed, um, he applied just like Keenan, kind of got a direct, you know, wa waiver for that. So he's in the reserve now. He doesn't. His commitment is just, you know, reserve type stuff. 
Um, but for his one-year active duty, I mean, this is nothing against Joe. And then maybe this is to that point, even a little bit, if I can kind of go that way. This is nothing against Joe. I mean, it, good on him for, for seizing that opportunity. But his one year of active duty was standing watch once a week at NAPS, you know, like as at the at the prep school. That that was pretty much it. Um, so I don't know. I just feel like something needs to be done so that there is clear cut kind of this is what it this is what it is. Uh, and if they're going to do two years of active duty, then two, do two years of active duty and then apply. Obviously, that'll impact being able to be drafted. Um, but you know. Maybe that is kind of what it is, you know, at the end of the day. Tough luck on, on that part. I don't know. Um, but anyways, any other – any final thoughts on that? Yeah, I just agree. I mean, and to, to Austin's point, like I said, I wanted to be clear that I'm saying if the decision – I can see why there's a desire to not allow them to go play. Because even when they come back, yeah, sure, they're, it's clear that they're not doing an Air Force mission or a military mission that – someone who was completely on active duty would be doing. They're not working that nine to five job. It's definitely more symbolic in nature. I'm okay with that. I, if that one, if that's what they're going to say, like, listen, we gave you a $400,000 education. Um, you're gonna, you're going to serve. That's fine. But just don't drag these kids around for six months before they get, and then make the decision just because it looks like they're going to get drafted and, and get a half yeah, a million dollars. Absolutely. Lives. Well, so we're going to come back here in just a second. We'll take a little little commercial break, SB Nation commercial break. But when we come back, there will be a good transition because one of the ways in which this can be done is through the World Class Athlete Program, which is what Griffin Jacks is doing, uh, former Air Force pitcher, what Tucker Bone, uh, former Air Force soccer player that's about to graduate, is hoping to do. Uh, and it's kind of a – I don't know. In my opinion, it's kind of a scam too where uh, you can go play immediately if you are in – uh, a sport that is governed by a national governing body, a.k.a. an Olympic sport, uh, and you are training for the Olympics by playing on your team. So Tucker Bone is hoping to go play for the Seattle Sounders uh, as uh, training for the Olympics in order to be in the world-class athlete program for the two years of active duty time before being able to do the reserves thing. And we're going to talk about a guy who is absolutely dominating on the baseball mound right now um, who – will most definitely get drafted and it'll be really interesting to see where where that happens in the MLB draft because of the conversation we've just had uh in Noah Song so we'll be right back we'll talk Noah Song Navy baseball and just uh kind of service kind of baseball in general all right and we are back uh for segment two here on episode two of the Against All Enemies podcast um and we just spent some time a good 20 minutes talking about Austin Cutting getting drafted by the Minnesota Vikings and there's some other service kind of players playing professionally, one of which Griffin Jack. Scott, I, I believe I saw his ERA just absolutely skyrocketed from 0.41 to 0.66 after his outing today. He gave up a run today. So, oh, yeah. Um, watch out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Tough seriously. Luck for him, I don't know man. what he's going to do. But he's in the AA, or is it at the Pensacola Blue Wahoos, the AA affiliate of the Minnesota Twins. Um, but there's a guy right now that, that is pitching for Navy baseball. And, um, Navy baseball has a history of some great pitchers in the, in the modern era in the last 10 years. Mitch Harris, um, Luke, um, those guys. But no, what Noah Song is doing is just, I mean, we have to talk about it. It's absolutely ridiculous. Um, so I'm going to throw it over to Austin for that, kind of give us a rundown of, of what Noah's been up to this season, coming off of uh, another impressive outing in which he's once again a Golden Spikes weekly award watch list, Patriot League. Player of the, I mean, he just he racks these things up every single week. Um, so yeah, so so what did he do this past weekend, Austin? 
Yeah, well, just for those who might not be following along as much, uh, he currently is 9-0, and and he's had 11 appearances this year and has pitched six complete games, has a 1.23 ERA. But most impressive, I think, out of all those things, is that he has 133 strikeouts. So he's averaging double-digit strikeouts per game. And most of those games are actually only seven innings because uh, typically the first game in the Patriot League series on the weekend is a seven-inning game. Uh, and he's kind of the ace stud, so he kind of leads off usually the weekend uh, series. Um, but most recently, in the game against Lehigh, uh, picked up the win. I mean, it's it's just absurd how he's doing it. I mean, he's just <laughs> shutting people down uh, with an obscene number of strikeouts. I don't know how to describe it. I know you sent a picture the other day of the number of scouts that were watching Fire. that has to be pretty impressive in terms of a a service academy and a Patriot League game kind of in general. As I know you alluded to some of the other the other baseball uh, pitchers, Mitch Harris probably most noticeably or most recognizable in terms of name from the Naval Academy, but just the way Noah Song is doing it, uh, it is is truly spectacular. I think it, it, you may mention this, six or seven Patriot Leagues of the Week, what was the number? Nine for his career, I believe. Um, I don't know what this, this yeah, whatever year, it is this year, he's but got, he's up to six national, six national players of the week. And I haven't, I don't know if they've announced this week's, but I saw, I saw right before we started this, that he was on the golden spikes. One of three people on the golden spikes watch list for this week. Again, I mean, when you strike out 15 and seven innings, um, for a complete game shutout, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's ridiculous. He's his ability to, um, to pitch and hit, hit hit his spots he's hitting you know his fastball's up to like 95 i didn't even realize he, he was throwing that hard but his fastball's up to like 95 um he's just got a nasty arsenal and no one can touch him um and it's going to make things interesting though um to kind of go a- away from that and i'm going to get kayla's kind of take here on this so navy won the regular season patriot league championship they clinched it yesterday when army law yeah. lost <laughs> split with holy cross over the weekend um but I mean, Navy has dominated this year against the Patriot League competition, but Army took three out of five from Navy, won the star, um, including two out of three in Annapolis for that star. The only other one, the one game they did win in that three-game series was because Noah Song was on the on the mound. Um, and and so, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know what you – this is going to be an interesting Patriot League tournament because more than likely it's going to come down to those two teams again, Army and Navy. Um, and it's but be Army, <laughs> but Army's had the advantage, so you know it's a it's a best of three series. Game one, you know songs going more than likely going in game one, unless they want to see how game one plays out um, before pitching them game two. Um, but not that that's a guaranteed win. But you look at the other two, and, and I mean Army had their number already in Annapolis this year. So any thoughts, Kayla, on kind of how that's how that might go down, and you can kind of. Speak up for Army, who who may be second place and may not have a Noah Song, but they have a pretty solid pitching staff and some really good offensive weapons. Um, and and they, I think they're going to give Navy everything they can handle. I think so, but I don't know how specifically the first in the series is going to go because if I was Noah Song and I was had the people following me, who was following me, like I said, the picture that, you, uh, that was sent over the weekend, um, I don't know. I would be kind of worried. And I don't say that necessarily as, like, not speaking up for Army because, obviously, you know, I'll root for them. But I have never seen anything <laughs> like him before, specifically coming out of the service academy. And that's coming from someone um, who doesn't really follow too much um, on the service academy, I would say, baseball front. Um, but I think it will be interesting. And now, of course, 
oh, we'll get into that later, then with lacrosse coming in, um, I feel like we're not, I don't know, I don't know if we're going to clinch anything, not in the first <laughs> round at least. <laughs> well, so it'll be interesting to see how they play it too. Like, I don't know, if, if you're a coach, this can be for anybody. Like, how would you do this? If you have a guy this dominant that you know more than likely 95-plus percent chance this guy, when he takes the mound, is going to defeat your team um, based on the way he's pitched, and he's given literally no indication this year to, to, to say anything other that, oh, maybe he'll have an off day. Right. How would you handle that as the as the coach, as the head coach? Would you throw your number three guy out there against them and kind of take that L game one? I, I don't know. Any thoughts? I think when it comes to the Army-Navy series, obviously Noah Song being the, the top pitcher, but I do believe you kind of alluded to it, that Army has kind of maybe a deeper yeah. pitching staff uh, and probably more consistent bats. So they're able to put runs together. Um, but I just it, – it, it's – why why even use your ace against Noah Song and if that's game one matchup, right? Like it doesn't make sense to me in terms of like the chess pieces of a of a baseball manager. I, I say that and I'm sure that they'll do the complete opposite and Noah Song will have a terrible game or Army will win two to one or something crazy. But uh, if you're asking me today, no, I'm 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 not I'm not matching him up uh, on the first game. See, I actually I am because I think you gotta get out there and you gotta slay the giant. Like, leave it really all out on the table. Uh, if they can take down the great Noah Song, then I think that leaves the next two games wide open for Army to come in and just clean them up, which is a possibility. And I, I think that comes down to a strategy thing because if it looks like, I mean, starting out behind the curve, that's a huge yep. mental aspect um, that would be really tough to deal with. So if Army goes out there, puts in their ace, and then has their top bullpen pitchers, um, and at least, I think at least if they gave Noah Song a close game, it can do something great, uh, really give them something to rally around. And it goes back to that whole thing that we talked about in the first podcast where there's something way different about when you get inter-service academy matchups. I think that there's something that anything can happen. Anyone can be beaten at any time, no matter how good they are. Um, so that, I mean, that could be another just kind of aspect. Yeah, I mean, you, you are. Yeah, I'm already second-guessing my decision. <laughs> Sorry, I was gonna say, uh, yeah. You uh, and now I'm like, yeah. Why would you not do that? So I'm just a really good thing. I'm out of manager. Well, well, dude, you're a you're a volleyball. You won like state championships in volleyball. I mean, I was asking you because you're like the actual coach of the of the four of us. But it is interesting because like, what what message are you sending your team if you do that? You can try and spin it as well. We're trying to play the game and set ourselves up to make sure like I need you in game two for the ace or whatever. But I mean, you're, if you're conceding it from before first pitch, that's obviously not a good look. And I agree with Scott though. If you do somehow get to him and and navy's bats went cold against army in that series if somehow you get a 2-1 win or a 3-2 win or something like that um and you win game one i mean to me series is over that's it like that that's that's army's series so um if you could slay the giant now scott i do want to we're gonna i'm gonna give the air force some love but did i just see they was it 26 to 15 against nevada yesterday yeah, um, but the real stat that we need to look at is 20, 20 errors. In a game? Oh. In one game. 20 errors in one game, yeah. Was it like really windy out in Colorado or something? I don't even know where <laughs> it was Colorado. <laughs> I, have, I have absolutely no idea um, exactly what happened. I mean, that's really been the, the name of the game. And one thing that's really been interesting with Air Force's baseball team is I think how talented they are. We have Nick Reddy, who won the College World Series home run derby last year. Um, we have a lot of a, a good staff with a good mix of senior pitchers. Uh, I think this team is a lot better than than what their record shows. 
And one thing that's really interesting is so we are second to last um, in the Mountain West standings right now. But the difference between number one Fresno State, they are 12, 7, and 1. And last place New Mexico is 8, 12, and 1 wow. in the conference. And so if you, if you didn't surmise it from that, um, New Mexico and Fresno State had a tie, obviously, to get to that record. So at this point, even with only 12 games left or so, and Air Force has two um, two series left in the conference, one against San Jose State, one against New Mexico. I think it's wide open, which is a really, really interesting thing. And Air Force has had some – they've had some great games and they've had some really rough ones. Um, Dallas Baptist was another one that was just really tough. I think we gave up 23 or 25 runs in that game as well. And um, it's just interesting. I, I don't know if it's a management thing. I don't know if it's that players come to play on certain days and other days they don't. But even in the last nine or so games, um, we've only been shut out once. And so I wouldn't say that the bats are necessarily hot, but they're able to get to get you know metal on the ball. And I think it comes down to hopefully if, if they can do something to fix their pitching a little bit, there's been some high ERAs, um, and then really just mitigate those errors, whatever that case is with fielding. So, well, I think it is, it's safe to say, yeah, that, that Air Force baseball this season out of the three service academies has probably been the least consistent. Um, yeah. But I, I, I do see the three being fairly competitive um, just based upon the games they've actually played against each other and common opponents, obviously more common in the Patriot League. But the Army-Navy series will be fun. I mean, if Air Force was involved in it, I think it would be they would have a shot too. I think it would be really interesting to see you know the three of them in the same conference. Yeah. Too, like the possibility of them all competing with each other, I think it would be interesting to see. Yeah, well, I mean, we know. I mean, Army and Air Force played at the beginning of the year, and then the Freedom Classic or whatever in, in North Carolina. Air Force took two out of three from Navy, and then followed that up with they beat ECU. I mean, ECU was like a top ten team, yeah. um, and they they beat ECU. And so this is the same team that beat ECU that's getting shellacked twenty six to fifteen by Nevada. Um, yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, the inconsistency, and and I, I like I, I didn't know that how close it was actually Scott in the Mountain West. So that gives me hope that you know they can go on a run. They definitely have the talent. I I would love to see that happen. In the Mountain West tournament for them to go on a run and and you know and, and get to the semifinals or finals of that um, because I do believe either Army or Navy is going to win the Patriot League yeah. and so it's just so much fun to watch a service academy team in one of these baseball regionals and if it's Army Navy more than likely it'll be in the southeast so that's one where I kind of you know hopefully I can get to get to whether it's Raleigh or somewhere like that so um, it, it's a fun tournament and, and Army won a game last year in a tournament and Navy did two years ago I think or three years ago whenever it was so um, yeah, NCAA baseball is a fun time when it gets towards postseason play, and Noah Song is dominant. All right, so we're going to take another uh, another quick break. When we come back, we're going to get a rundown of where we are with lacrosse heading into conference tourneys, um, and then follow that up with a little bit of an update on the Ike Award and a discussion on the best service academy sports program currently. All right, welcome back to the Against All Enemies podcast. Uh, good discussion on, on the state of service academy baseball now we're going to talk a little bit of lacrosse um, as a navy fan it's a little bit bittersweet here um, because navy did what they had to do uh, in beating boston number 16 i believe ranked team in the country at home in a great game and needed some help to make the patriot league tourney and unfortunately did not get the help they needed so they will not be that was the end of their year they're done uh, a disappointing season to say the least um, for navy men's lacrosse is what i'm talking here uh, under Rick Soule and with the talent they have with some of those some of those guys, Christian Daniel, Ryan Wade, Grayson Terrain, just the way it played out is is unfortunate uh, for them that they 
they won't get to be in the Patriot League tournament and their season is done. But outside of that one team, the other four teams have to feel pretty good. And by that, I mean Navy and Army women's lacrosse and Air Force men's lacrosse um, have to feel pretty good um, uh, about their their seasons and where they're staying and heading into the tourneys. So, um, yeah, I mean, Kayla, you want to give us a rundown? Uh, on on Army women, what they were able to do maybe this weekend um, in their first ever Patriot League tournament game, and and where they're sitting in their season because it's it's been impressive regardless of what happens against Navy in the semifinals this week. Yeah, it's been a really kind of cool to watch this team, especially being so new. I know we talked about it before. Um, you know, always a big uh, the women's uh, lacrosse team. They're always in my corner. Um, but, you know, made history, their first Patriot League match, um, 12-9 over Lee the past, you know, weekend and heading into the semis. Um, it'll be interesting to, to come across Navy, who has a ridiculous um, offense. Kelly Larkin is freaking crazy. <laughs> um, and last game, well, a couple weeks ago, I think it was the 13th, and we played, lost 8-21. So it was a rough loss going up against uh, the Navy women's team. Um so I think it'll be interesting to come across uh, at the league Wednesday uh, this week to see them. But, I mean, an uh, impressive season, no less. Um, Jackie Bratton, Manuela Cortez, just some really doing doing it well on the field. So I'm interested to kind of see what it's going to be. I I have – I do think, though, my prediction is I have Navy winning um, just because of the last matchup. I think um, – kind of those season players, like I said, with Kelly um, coming up on that offense, it's going to be kind of tough to match. Um, but they've had an impressive season with being such such a such a young team coming out. Yeah, and so before we kick over to Navy women's lacrosse and maybe get a little bit of Austin's opinion, um, having watched them a few times this year, I'm sure, um, let's not. Let's let's make sure we emphasize that. Like, regardless of what happens, I think it's on Thursday against Navy. It, I'll be honest, I don't think the odds are in their, are in their favor. Um, I think it's Loyola and Navy and everyone else. Um, yeah. in the Patriot League women's lacrosse. But for Army to end up with the three seed, um, having never made the Patriot League tournament, they're obviously on the upswing. Caroline Raymond was named Patriot League Rookie of the Year. So Army women and men's lacrosse got Rookie of the Year um, uh, uh, honors, I believe. And, and I believe Nick Turn for men's lacrosse by inside lacrosse has been named Freshman of the Year for college lacrosse, not just for yeah. the Patriot League. Um so let's not like let's make sure we emphasize like Army women's across had a terrific season, um, but the I mean twenty one to eight and that doesn't even show. I mean it was fifteen to four at halftime and and Navy's games have been like that of late where it's fifteen yeah, to one, no fifteen to four. Really yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean you go on the eight zero run to begin the game. So I, I personally don't think there's and this is an unbiased opinion here. I just don't think there's much of a chance for them um, against Navy on Thursday. But yeah, I mean Austin, what do you think on the on the women's lacrosse side for Navy? You can have men's lacrosse too. But. Yeah, I'm not. I'm... <laughs> yeah, well, I thought it was awesome to see them come with a win. I think maybe men's lacrosse end up getting maybe four of the five Patriot League weekly honors, which is kind of a nice yeah. pat on the back, I guess, to <laughs> yeah. conclude the season. But obviously, not not the prize they wanted. Um, twenty-one to eight. Yeah, I I don't see twenty-one to eight happening again. I don't see the fifteen-four lead or whatever it was. I, I see a more competitive game, but an, a comfortable Navy win by, you know, five, six, seven goals, something like that. Um, but what I find most interesting, as you mentioned, kind of Loyola, Navy, and everyone else, it's almost like there should be a pause between Loyola and Navy and everyone else because Loyola is a very good program uh, when it comes to women's lacrosse. Uh, they defeated Navy earlier in the year 16-6. to 6. 
uh, and I think they were up 11 to four um, after the first or through through a half a play. So it's going to be a tall task for for Navy or let's even throw Army in there. Whoever wins that semifinal game to kind of to come out on top and win the Patriot League. So I think the real story will be uh, if if Navy take cares uh, takes care of Army and plays a competitive game in the Patriot League finals. You know, they're going to be hovering around 15th or so in the country. I think in the most recent polls, like what happens to them for the NCAA tournament, right? Like I think that's the story that's that's going to unfold from uh, what happens in the next week or so. Yeah, absolutely. And let's let, that's a good point. And I think we should make mention of that, that they have a chance at night at large, but because they had played a very tough non-conference schedule. Um, you look at in that the Loyola 16-6, but aside from that, I mean, they lost to Boston College, who was the number one team in the country at the time and is going to be one of the top teams 18-5. to But – they beat number 11 Florida by a goal uh, at home, 14-13. They lost by three goals to Virginia. They beat Towson by a goal, who was ranked number 19. Um, they beat Georgetown by seven goals, who was ranked 23 when they played them. So they have three three ranked wins uh, on the season. And outside um, of – well, no, the only losses they have are to ranked opponents. So um, they're not I, – I, I feel like they, they definitely should – at least be in consideration for sure for an at-large bid. So they need to play good against Army. They need to, I think they need to be closer than a 10-goal game, ten goal game against Loyola. And would you say you think that's the case, that they'll be within 10 goals? It won't be 16-6 to six again there either, that it'll be a closer game? Uh, the optimist in me <laughs> says yes. And um, and I do think that you know they, they're worthy of an at-large bid. I just think it, just like you know March Madness, when we talk about basketball, it just kind of depends on how those other conferences do in terms of who's going to get you know the automatic bids i think when when it comes to women's lacrosse you know they're going to have a lot of one bid conferences no matter what so uh, i i would say navy has a solid shot uh, of getting that large bid no matter what as long as they make it to the final so getting ahead of myself right got to beat army yeah. first we'll yeah see. for sure so let's uh do we want to let's, let's let's give Scott some love. Let's kick the Air Force men before we come back to Army men and talk Army men, just so we we don't always leave Air Force at the end of every conversation. Scott, <laughs> Air Force men, uh, great. I mean, a great season, an absolutely great season. That you, correct me if I'm wrong here too, but you, I don't think you could have expected it to be as good of a season given the kind of uncertainty of the lacrosse program with some of the issues prior and a first year head coach um, officially taking the reins for this year, right? Um, yes, and I'm probably going to sound extremely greedy in saying this, but I'm bored. Um, I mean, Coach Wilson, as much as he's a new he's a new head coach, he is very much not new to the program. He understands right. the ins and outs. He's been with the program for a long time. And um, Coach Saramet, who left for Rutgers, uh, he went through a lot when he had a uh, – he had a, a devastating car accident, and he, he lost his wife in it a few years ago. And, and I think Coach Wilson picked up uh, a lot of the the duties of him when he was, you know, taking care of his family and, and working with that. And so um, I know Air Force and Coach Saramet parted ways, and he's doing really well now with Rutgers. I think they're playing well. But, I mean, it's just – it's kind of the same year uh, – or it's kind of a different year, same story, really. We have no problem beating a lot of these SOCON teams. And ever since – Air Force has been in the SOCON. Uh, we've been to the NCAA tournament three times, and we've lost to Duke, Notre Dame, and Denver. And 
it's just kind of one of those things where even with with this year being considered kind of a down year because like you said there were some issues some players who left we graduated a few guys like nick ruby last year and but you have these teams like marist and canisius and detroit mercy and mercer which they're just not great teams and and then when we go out and schedule other teams like yale or denver uh we get absolutely worked by them so I think what I'd like to see, I think the big goal for Air Force is to try to get out of the first round of the NCAA tournament. Uh, and that's not to overlook the SOCON tournament at all. Richmond's a very good team. High Point's a very good team. Um, they are able to recruit well. Richmond is arguably the southernmost point of really the lacrosse hotbed uh, before you go down to like North Carolina with Duke and UNC. And um, I, I just kind of want to see a little bit more. And I think that a, a real interesting thing that we could potentially do, which is not going to probably happen because I'm sure Air Force is one of the really the hallmark teams of the SOCON, I would love to see Air Force in the Patriot League. I think a one-for-one -one trade with Lafayette would be amazing because I think Air Force can hang with a lot of those teams. Um, I think that they could give – it would be interesting to see more service academy lacrosse which we rarely see these days because I know that it's a logistical nightmare to schedule them, especially because a lot of the games we try to get on neutral ground. Um, but that's really where I'm at. I'm happy for the team. Uh, I want to see them win. But really, what can we expect out of you know the first round of the NCAA playoffs if that's where we get? And kind of what's going to be the future? When are we ever going to get that monkey off the back and get into the second round? And when are we going to have a season that really shows what our team is all about? Yeah, I think you're a little more of a Debbie Downer than, than I would be on this, but you followed <laughs> probably closer than I have. I mean, there are only losses um, outside of a, a one game, a one goal game to you know first year Utah team um, was ranked opponents: Denver, Yale, uh, and High Point. All top fifteen opponents. They lost each one by you know a considerable margin, but uh, otherwise, I feel like they've won pretty much every game by a considerable margin and dominated the rest of the Southern Conference. Um, you know, and that. The game against Richmond, that's, a, you said, a good team, good Richmond team, but they beat them by seven. Um, earlier in the year, they'll get them again in the semifinals on Thursday of the SOCON tournament, and then that rematch against High Point, certainly not to be overlooked. Um, High Point has a really, really good squad this year, and they, they beat Air Force by four, 13-9 earlier in the year um, in High Point, which is where the conference tournament is. So so that's going to be a, a tough matchup, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it's – I guess maybe they're just kind of in the middle. I've never heard anybody suggest Air Force joining the Patriot League for lacrosse. That might be the you might be the first person to ever suggest that. So you heard it here first, I guess. <laughs> I almost, I almost guarantee I am. And it, it just goes back to I, I just noticed this is a trend because I think I'm, I I have my eye too close to the microscope. But it's just that that status quo comfort level. Everybody's getting paid. Everybody's you know oh it's good enough. We win the SoCon, move on. Um, but it's just like football. Everything's a formula with how our schedules are with that. Um, you know, football, we schedule one cupcake team to beat at the beginning of the year. And then we have just our regular games, one game that's interesting at maybe against a power five team or somewhere that's cool for, and good for recruiting service Academy games. It's the same thing with lacrosse. We play three opponents and lose to them potentially because they're ranked top 15. And then the rest of the SOCON is quite frankly, relatively weak aside from Richmond and and high point this is the first year um really that they've had such a good showing but also and, and another thing that's really interesting about lacrosse and this is kind of a big picture the way recruiting is it's so just easy to see it's not like basketball where you know smaller schools that don't have football programs do well or it's not like football where you just have these traditional powerhouses with tons of money it's 
schools that have a good college experience and that are cool to go to do well with lacrosse. I mean, look at Michigan, who their program is extremely young. Um, they've gotten really good in the last few years because people want to go to Michigan. High Point has gotten really good because I don't know if you know about that school a lot, but it's a really cool place. They have a steakhouse on their campus that kids are allowed to go to using their dining card. So those kinds of things, it's just very obvious. And um, I think that if Air Force were to maybe up their game a little bit and get back into a conference that's a little more competitive, it would just it would just make me feel better. But I don't think anyone really cares about <laughs> no. it. No. <laughs> We care. Yeah, yeah, we care, but they, we might, care. they might join a conference out west. You guys do, but I don't think anyone yeah, in the before they join the Patriot League. Yeah. But let's not let's not forget Army men, um, because number four seed heading into the tourney, they get to host a game against Holy Cross um, this week. Actually, tomorrow, I think. Yeah. Yeah, tomorrow. Tuesday. Tomorrow. So by the time this comes out, it will probably be over. over. So um, <laughs> hopefully, we're hopefully we're we're we're. Onto the semifinals um, in the Patriot League tourney, but this is a team that has has performed well. That has been ranked in all the polls for many a week now. Beat beat Navy in a great game. Excuse me, earlier in the year, um, nine to eight in Annapolis to to win that star and um, just have some really really good players. A mix of of you know older players, seniors. You got Johnny Serdic winning. Uh, you know, Patriot League Defensive Player of the Year, and you know, up there probably will be an All-American again on, on defense after another great year. Um, and then Brandon Nickturn, you know, once again, I think I just mentioned it earlier, but uh, our, our inside lacrosse ranked him the top freshman in the country um, recently in their, in their rankings. So um, they're just they're they're got some young talent. They got some some seniors carrying the way, and um, yeah, I mean, Navy's out and. Maybe this is wrong for me to say, but I'm really I'm hoping they do do really well in the tournament. I would love to see them um, get to take on Loyola in a rematch, and and once again, like the women's though, I think it's kind of Loyola and everyone else to a degree. Pat Spencer is just insane. Um, but yeah, I mean, anything you want to add, Kayla, on the on the men's Army men's lacrosse team? Um, definitely had a great season. No, definitely. I was going to echo because I was saying you know pretty much a a good season and, and a close. A lot of these close games. I mean, last week, um, you know, won 19 to six. But even with Loyola, they only lost nine nine to 13. Boston 13 to 15. So I think it could be interesting. I think I'd like to see them um, in these rematches because I feel like they they could definitely put up a fight. They've had uh, a consistent game or a consistent season as well, um, and some really great guys. So um, my hats off to them. Of course, I I have them up against Holy Cross, um, which I think. I'm not worried about, <laughs> to say the least. I don't know. I feel like two defensive teams yeah. there. It, and it's it at home. Be, it could be a it, it was a 7-6 win um, at Holy Cross for Army the first go-round, but they had two defensive teams, like Austin said. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, Army's been close in every, every pretty much every game, even the ones they've yeah. played against really good ranked opponents. Um, so you expect them to continue to at least um, be in it until the end. And, and so – We'll see what happens. Hopefully, when we have our next podcast in a couple of weeks, um, Army the Army men have done done something in the Patriot League tournament um, because they're ranked, and regardless of what happens, they'll probably end the season still in the top twenty-five. I think unless they maybe unless they lose in the, against Holy Cross tomorrow, but um, I don't think that's enough to get them an at-large bid. No one thinks they get an at-large bid, right? I don't think they they yeah, have a chance. That's um, four, right? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, fourteen going in. I don't see them dropping that much. 
Yeah, which should be a statement, I think, on, and maybe this is to Scott's point that he was trying to make, was the the just overall state of the Patriot League men's lacrosse right now. I mean, that Army is the number four seed in the tournament, and they're the number 19, 18, 19 team in the country. With, you know, Loyola has been ranked, Boston's been ranked most of the year, Lehigh's been ranked at times. I mean, they're, they're, they're putting in three or four te- ranked teams in the top 25 out of the Patriot League this year. Um, so, yeah. Any other any other lacrosse thoughts before we wrap up lacrosse? It's going to be exciting though. It's uh, obviously by the you know this time next week we'll have a pretty good idea of of how this all shakes out. But yeah, we got Army Navy. Um, so that, you know if no one else has any thoughts, that's going to take us to our Ike Award discussion. Everybody good? All right. So yeah, bringing it. up Army Navy this week, right? We had our our Ike Award um, kind of regular season, uh, if you will final standings um and and it was coming down to the wire it's been coming down to the wire um for a while navy actually surged ahead back in the fall for, for a while it was up pretty good but then it really evened out um uh, as we kind of got into we talked about it in the last podcast so i don't want to go over again a ton of about what it is but it's our competition that is looking at all three service academies um competing against each other like army navy does in the star series but also including air force so we're looking at every time a, a service academy team competed head-to-head against another service academy team or any time that all three schools were at a same, the same competition and competed against each other um, to include some, some wrestling and rifle matches or things like that where all three schools were at that competition. Um, and so we've been tracking that. We're going to do highest winning percentage. We agreed on the last podcast that we were going to throw out ties, basically, right? Those aren't going to count um, towards that, though I think Austin disagreed with us. I think we ended up with that um, that ruling. So... Right now, we're looking at Air Force has, is 12, 10, and 3, so they're two games above 500. Uh, Army is 20 and 29, uh, and Navy is 24 and 23. But that's actually not accurate because this weekend I did not add in um, the fact that the Army-Navy women's tennis played each other in the Patriot League tournament. Um, Navy was seated higher, but Army won. So Army definitely did not help Navy out there in trying to come back for the Ike Award because that – that put Navy back at a, an even 24 and 24 now. Um, so Air Force has a two-game lead currently. Uh, all that to say, with uh, we do know we have Army-Navy women's lacrosse um, this weekend. There will be no Army-Navy men's lacrosse. Um, so what we're looking at pretty much is um, if we say we all kind of believe Navy's going to win the women's lacrosse game, they get back to a game up on a game above 500, and then the potential for a three-game baseball series um, in the Patriot League baseball tournament that that you only have to win two out of three to win. So uh, Navy would have to sweep that, win the first two games. If they lose either of the first two games but win the series, it's a tie. And if they lose to Army again, um, like they did in the regular season, Air Force wins. So any thoughts on the Ike Award? Well, what, yeah, what, I think Air Force has – I mean, if we're going to win percentage, I mean, they're already – they have such a lower uh, denominator. So I think, you know, plus two for them is much higher than a plus two win – on the Navy side. So I think it's safe to say at the end of the day, Air Force is probably going to win this thing. Yeah. And I think it also, the biggest thing that you wanted to see out of this, or that I think anybody would want to see to make it a legitimate competition is that it comes down to the wire. And I really think that it has, and to Austin's point, that's totally true. Um, And I don't know if you were criticizing that saying that it's easier for Air Force maybe, but uh, it wasn't, but I'm glad you had it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I'm sensitive, come on. Uh, But yeah, and it just goes to show, I think that's a cool aspect because 
maybe Air Force has less competitions, but it makes those competitions that much more important, um, the ones that we do have. So I, I'm overall happy with it. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, man. But, but it's not – so can we all agree? Does anybody have – does anybody – Picking Army to win women's lacrosse this this Thursday. Okay, so if that's the case, my heart says yes. My head says no. (laughs) (laughs) So we're pretty much against since we believe it's going to be oh, uh, and so women's tennis really did did a number um, with what they were able to. Was it women's tennis or men's tennis? I know the women's tennis, tennis, but I'm saying I I really don't. I think when you look at a win percentage basis, it's it wouldn't make a difference. Because up until this point, I mean, Air Force pretty much has it. Yeah. Oh, because they played less games. That's what you're saying. It just, it just yeah. math. That whole math thing. Listen, I'm just a poli sci grad. I, I know what you I are am, too, yes. right? So. I'm just right. <laughs> yes, yes. So they have it. So there's no way. So all this was for naught. Is what you're telling me? I should have done my math before this. There's no way Navy can win. I I haven't done the math, but I, you know, I look at those numbers and I don't I don't think it'd be. Okay, we'll possible. get back. We'll get back to everyone. This is. This is... <laughs> Yeah. I promise. I graduated from the Naval Academy. Uh, it happened. But that's a really good segue into who we think is the best service academy athletics program, right? I agree. So I know Scott's going to say we did the psych award thing for a reason, and we're going to look at win-loss records, and we're going to say Air Force is the best. That's what he's going to say. Am I right, Scott? Um, No, uh-huh. actually. Man. Surprise. Scott's throwing- Interestingly enough. Well, and I'll I'll take I'll go first then because I don't want to bury the lead on that. But <laughs> I, uh, you know, I'm I'm constantly critical, and maybe it's just because I want it. I want the best for my alma mater. Um, but I, there's just certain aspects of it. What makes what are what metrics are we running on? Sure, if you want to go on this year's win percentage, if you want to go on Commander in Chief's trophy, obviously you'd have to pick Air Force. But I think that it's more than that. I think it comes down to. How, what the academy does for the fan base, how the fan base reacts, what kind of travel do we get? That's you know that's a big thing that Ohio State always touts is how their fans travel. Well, why isn't you know service academies doing the exact same thing? We have graduates who are spread out all over the country, all over the world, and so I've been to the Naval Academy multiple times. Obviously, I've been to more games than I can even count um, at Air Force, and just I just get a different vibe from going to air force games than i do at navy and it's i don't want to necessarily say that it's a more fun environment but it's different and i just get a lot of passion from that and um i come from the point of view that and i know you guys are, are fans of other teams but i can legitimately say that my favorite college team is the air force academy and i i really just wish that we were in a position where we could all cadets all graduates could say the exact same thing and it takes success, yes, but it also just takes kind of those intangibles. And I think those are things that Air Force really needs to grow upon. And, and that's why I'm, I press so hard when it comes to things like the fan experience, getting games on TV, um, having that recognition from major networks and things like that. And I think we're still lacking there. So when it comes to best, I mean, at the end of the day, sports are entertainment. And at service academies, it's also there for character development. It's there to prepare you for life. That's absolutely true. But just big picture wise, I think I'm gonna have to give it to Navy right now. I think it's so cool uh, when I when you go to a game and you see flags from the class of you know the 1930s, which I mean I saw that like 10 years ago, but class of the 40s and, and just things like that. I think that's such an awesome thing, and I, I see the way that 
um, how passionate a lot of army or a lot of Navy fans are. And, and that it's the kind of the same thing at army, but I think it's going to take at least a few more generations of air force graduates. Um, because you know, we still have a lot of guys from 59, but just really to grow, to get it to that level of fanatical pride that the other service academies have. And right now I kind of give that edge to Navy. Yeah, I, I would I agree with you for the most part. Um, the way I kind of wrote down the notes uh, for this was when it comes to win-loss record uh, or this Ike Award, um, then obviously Air Force kind of is the best, you could say, right? In terms of looking at a box score, so to speak. Uh, when I think of Army West Point, I kind of think of the, they're kind of leading in the higher profile sports right now. Obviously, football, the success, uh, as recent success anyway. And then even in the men's basketball side, um, beating Navy, lacrosse, beating Navy, right? So they just kind of have the bigger names uh, in terms of the higher profile sports. But when I think of Navy, when I think of what Chet, Chet Gladchuk has done as the athletic director uh, for however long he's been there now, but just kind of, he was kind of on the forefront of making these, these bowl game individual contracts, right? Like he did that before Army was able to and, and kind of got the Poinsettia Bowl a thing and instead of expanded beyond that, because uh, he kind of saw a vision of what was happening with FBS football. And I think it was proactive in terms of them getting involved in the American Athletic Conference. Um, I think, you know, Scott's a very active SID. And just overall kind of athletic development consistency is there at the Naval Academy. And that might be because they do have a more active fan base that you kind of discussed, Scott. Um, and, yeah, when it comes to just kind of game day atmosphere, I mean, I've been to a couple games at the Air Force Academy, and it's, it is a little bit of a challenge. You can't just, you know, walk to a bar or restaurant and walk to the stadium. Uh, and the temperature of the elements are, are obviously <laughs> much different than they are in Annapolis. Uh, only been to one game at West Point, and it's kind of the same thing. I mean, there's nothing right there in West Point in terms of a game day uh, experience unless you're inside <coughs> the campus. So um, the Naval Academy has the city of Annapolis as an at advantage for its kind of game day atmosphere. You know? Yeah, that's what I was going to point to as well in terms of talking about, like, whole experience. And for me, uh, you know, not a service academy grad coming from a school that definitely a college town, like Tallahassee, that's it. Like when college when f college football is not around, when we're not there, it's pretty much dead. <laughs> um, and going to, I think it was at the military bowl two years ago, um, two or three years ago, and Navy was playing. Um, and that was it, an astonishing experience for me to see, um, you know, just uh, the mids in the stands and just, um, just the tradition. Um, and coming across that and just kind of being in Annapolis at that specific time, that does a lot, I think, both um, for the people on campus, for those grads, for the community in general, um, who may not even have people, you know, relatives that go there, um, but just knowing that that's kind of part of the tradition and, um, you know, when football season is coming and, it, and this is what's going to happen and, and, you know, the bars are open and this and this and this. So I don't know. I think it's um, – I'll give it um, – to Navy if we're going on that, because I think it's a little bit different. Of course, um, you know, we like to talk a lot about West Pointers and the Army and, and what that means <laughs> um, and joke in that way. Um, but I don't know. I'm, I'm going to have to give it to Navy if we're talking about it, I think more on a, on a holistic standpoint. But I think Austin also made a good point kind of about the high-profile sports and what that has done specifically for West Point and talking about um, what service academy um, athletics can do outside of what people think. Um, as just, you know, graduating, um, you know, students and, and going into the military. 
Well, I guess I'll I'll wrap up wrap up here on this one then. Um, I mean, I would probably agree with most of what everybody said, but so I won't rehash that. I won't get into the same reasons. Um, but what I will say is, um, is you know, Chet, Chet Gladchuk has obviously done wonders for Navy, and we we brought that up already. Austin brought that up. Um, but you know, wh- where did he start his focus? What was the first thing that that had to be done, right? Um, and that that is those major sports, right? Because that's driving the revenue and everything, um, and the the high profile um, success for all the other teams. Um, so you kind of you kind of saw that, and he's I mean, he's obviously recruited some great head coaches from some small schools, from some big schools, who have done tremendous things. Um, you know, Cindy Timshaw with the women's lacrosse program, and, and or you know he's just he's just he's done he's hired really good coaches. He's done really good. Uh, you know, ways to market the teams um, and get really cool things like playing in Fenway Park and Camden Yards and having the Nationals come down and hosting the the outdoor um, hockey game, things like that, right? Which Air Force is getting one of those. Better, the Veterans, the Veterans Classic. Classic. Yep, yep, one. absolutely. Going to Ireland. All these things, right? He's done all these cool marketing things too. But the thing that had to change at first was the high-profile sports starting with football. And so if you look at West Point uh, and, and we talk about maybe they are right now in the immediate – present having more success in some of the high profile sports i think i think obviously boo corrigan came from navy or was at navy bef- you know a couple stops before ending up at army and so he, he we, we know he took the same script for football but i think he took the same script in general like navy's won the star series how many times out of the last like 15 years i don't even like the majority right um significant majority and they won it again this year but i think he was playing the, the long game of um, let's get the high-profile sports right first. And obviously they would never say that, I don't think, out loud, at least, you know, not if it wasn't behind closed doors. But let's get the high-profile sports first, and then everything else, you know, we'll, we can kind of work and build and fall in place. And I think Air Force is in a position to um, to do similar with their – they can have a quicker turnaround, I think, with their high-profile sports than, than it took for Army. Um, and with Nathan Pine coming and kind of being that non-military, non-academy-connected presence – like Chet Gladchuk was a Navy and like Boo Corrigan was an Army. I think I've said this before, probably maybe not on the podcast, but I think their kind of ramp up to to success um, can be quicker in that regard to a lot of these things to kind of Scott's point. So regardless of how everything looks overall right now, um, and, and, and even if we were in complete agreement that Navy maybe overall, if you look at the totality of everything, is the best sports program service academy-wise right now when you consider every factor – um, Army is is trying to replicate it and successfully doing that. They're not just trying, and I think Air Force with Nathan Pine can can get there pretty quickly. So, yeah, I think that Nathan Pine piece that you threw in there is is huge, really important. Um, especially when I think of when you think of these athletic uh, service academy athletic programs, like the first people that come to mind are usually the head football coaches, right? We talk about high profile sports. You think of the last. I don't know where we at now, 15 years or whatever it is with Paul Johnson and Coach Ken. You've got kind of personalities, right? Like PJ kind of wore his emotions on his sleeves in his interview, and Coach Ken does too. They're completely different emotions, but they were, they were visible. Uh, Troy Calhoun, you know, not very emotional. I, I'm tough to read, not very open. Uh, but Army, at, you know, West Point now has something in Jeff Munkin, right? Like he's, he's, a, he's a personality. He's something. So I think – all those kind of things also factor into it, right? Yeah, and we'll we're gonna pick up. We haven't really t- actually talked much football in our first two episodes. It is the you know, downtime, but next episode will be very heavy football. We'll kind of recap some of the spring stuff that probably will have wrapped up um, by then, with maybe baseball being the only one still outstanding. Um, 
and and really dive into post spring because all all three teams have plenty to of things for us to discuss heading into um, kind of the break in the summer. So we'll definitely hit that up next time. Before we uh, before we head out today, though, got to give you guys a chance to really quick do your shout outs of the week because we've had some some pretty good successes, I think, uh, at all three schools recently. So I'm curious to hear what everybody has to say. So, Scott, what you got at Air Force? Um, so I wanted to give it to a few different people, Shout and uh, okay. this is to a graduate. <laughs> that, well, yeah, I wanted to, but I'll, I'll keep it short. So I, I want to give a shout-out to Tom Whitney, 2010 Air Force grad, who's still representing the Air Force Academy uh, in his own capacity. He served the totality of his commitment as a missiles officer uh, up at F.E. Warren. Not a great place to hone in your golf game and get ready for the Pro Tour, but he got out of the Air Force and started playing on the PGA Tour Latino America, had some decent success, but no wins, uh, moved up to the web.com, and now he's back down on the PGA Tour Latino America trying to get his game ready, learning how to win. And this weekend he won the 88 Abierto OSDE Del Centro. Uh, it's a big deal, and he's currently number one on the money list uh, for the PGA Tour Latino America. And so, I mean, it's a, you know, we already have Austin Cutting, uh, representing in, on the big scale sports, but this is just another way for Air Force to get its name out there uh, among the likes of guys like Billy Hurley and things like that. So uh, congrats to him, and hopefully we will see him on the web.com tour and the regular PGA tour sometime very soon. Awesome. Yeah, so I, I just had a really kind of random thought on that back to the previous conversation about the sports program. You know, if you were to include uh, professional representation, like who's made it, you know, uh, uh, to represent across a variety of professional sports in the last 10 years, right? You'd have to give Navy the advantage there too and trying to kind of get, get to that point too. So it's really cool to see someone else um, really pushing for a shot at, at maybe getting their tour card and being on the PGA Tour, definitely. Um, Austin, what we got for Navy? All right, so uh, I went with uh, Kelly Larkin. Kelly Larkin was the Patriot League Attacker of the Year. She was named that um, just today, I believe and actually earned her fifth Patriot League Attacker of the Week title. Uh, she is the first player in Patriot League history to surpass 100 points per season in three consecutive seasons, kind of the, the uh, forward goal scorer leader um, and captain. I don't actually I don't think she's the captain, but she's definitely the, the, the leader of the forwards, right, in terms of uh, goal scorers for uh, Navy women's lacrosse. And... Um, led them to the number two seed in terms of the Patriot League tournament. So hats off to Kelly Larkin. Ah, so you guys know how this goes now because, once again, if Austin doesn't say who I thought he was going to say, then I get to say who <laughs> I think on the Navy side. That's just how it's going to go each time because he was confident that we were going to have the same person. But I was actually going to go with the Navy men's track and field team uh, at the Penn Relays, which is a big deal, right? That's a huge track and field tournament. Um, they won a, the first the first time they won an event overall – at the pin relays um, in 73 years as they won the, the shuttle hurdle relay. Uh, Cordell Williams, Cameron Hurd, Hunter Wargo, and Clayton Thompson um, won that event. So I thought that's just really cool. Like 73 years since you won a, an event like the pin relays, which is a very prestigious um, tournament. And the 4x400 team broke a school record that was set 40 years ago at the same tournament. So hats off to the track and field team. All right. Sorry. <laughs> that's just that's how it's going to go. So. Um, Kayla, Army, what do we have? Yeah. Wrapping it up. Um, I'm mixing it up with the men's lacrosse team. 
team. <laughs> um, just go. giving it uh, to Johnny Serdic, who's also named Patriot League Defensive Player of the Year, um, you know, team captain, senior, um, and three-time uh, Patriot League first team selection. Um, he's just uh, killing it. So I have to give it give it to him. And, of course, uh, excited to see what the men's team, um, you know, is going to do against Holy Cross. I'll be watching him definitely since they had such a close season. But I thought I'd, I thought I'd give a shout-out to the, to the men's team and, and break up my usual <laughs> turn of <laughs> Yeah, events. well, I mean, it's, you know, I, I'm okay with the two lacrosse shout-outs because it's a, it's a big lacrosse week, right? It's, it's conference tourney week. Um, we have four teams across the service academies competing in the conference tourneys, and all four of them um, are competitive teams, uh, you know, in, in making the tourneys. Um, and I, if we say we really believe Navy's going to be women and the women's across, even outside of that, you know, the other three, I think, can compete for a conference um, tourney title. So it, it could be interesting to see how this week plays out. So no, no worries there. All right. Well, it's been another – wonderful hour and some change with uh you fine people and uh, this will be the uh the conclusion of against all enemies podcast episode two we look forward to being back in a couple of weeks uh on tap just so everyone knows um we have an interview set up with nathan pine the athletic director new athletic director at air force i know scott cannot wait to to pick his brain and and ask him some questions about a lot of the things we've already talked about are the state of Air Force athletics and his vision for the future of Air Force athletics. And so hopefully when we have the recording of the podcast post-interview, um, Scott will be very cheery and upbeat and the pessimist in him will <laughs> have been subdued as Nathan Pine puts all of his, all of his fears uh, out to rest and, and he's excited for the future of Air Force athletics. Um, and outside of that, the plan, we're going to talk some Better football. We haven't talked football really in the past two episodes outside of Austin Cutting getting drafted. So we're going to talk spring football uh, recaps and have a great interview with Nathan Pine. It's going to be a good episode. So tune back in. Don't forget to, to drop us a review um, in iTunes. Let us know uh, what you think of the podcast. And we appreciate everybody listening. Uh, it's, it's, this is fun. So we enjoy doing this. Congratulations to the Navy midshipmen. winners of the Commander-in-Chief's Trophy, the great Air Force Falcons. Now the Lord of the United States, we are.